0: Hello
1: and welcome to Think Business Futures. I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, coming to you from two SER studios in Sydney on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, broadcast right around Australia on the community radio network and around the world wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we take a closer look at the business issues making up the news. This program is made possible by the assistance of the UTS Business School. The current sanctions placed on Russia are having an immense impact on the Russian economy. The ruble has crashed, corporations are suspending trade by the hundreds and billions of dollars in global assets have been frozen. But what impact are sanctions having on Russian people? Is unemployment, loss of business and recession justifiable collateral damage on a populace who is largely against the invasion of Ukraine? Where is the humanitarian line when it comes to economic warfare in a globalised world? And are the corporations who are jumping on board doing so out of virtue or is it just best for their bottom line? Today on the show, we take a close look at the ethical implications of Russian sanctions and where the moral line might be. To discuss this, I'm joined in the studio by Carl Rhodes, Dean and Professor of Organization Studies at the UTS Business School, and I'm joined remotely by Stephen Hamilton, visiting fellow at the Tax and Transfer Policy Institute of the Crawford School of Public Policy at the Australian National University. Carl, Stephen, welcome to Think Business Futures. Great to be here. G'day. Now, Stephen, starting with you, let's start very broad. Tell us a bit about the current sanctions in Russia. What do they look like? And perhaps uh, why they're different from the sanctions that we've seen imposed on other countries in the past?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, Russia has been under some form of sanction for for a very long time, I mean, almost a decade since the annexation of Crimea in 2014. Now, previous to this round the sanctions were far more modest they were more targeted uh, and over time the Russian economy adapted um now three weeks ago the allies of the west were getting together and talking about how they would respond to Russian aggression in in ukraine and I think we expected more of the same right we expected kind of a a heightening or a broadening of pretty much the same measures we've seen since 2014 which are mostly seen as a form of slapping on the wrist mm-hmm. when when we think a country does the wrong thing uh, instead we saw the the European countries of the US and some other countries like Australia band together and really radically escalate the 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 intensity of these sanctions and and to reach for tools that we I think certainly Russia but also we, expected to be off the table, Mm. right? So, you know, this word SWIFT that's been floating around. So a lot of the international transactions, money flowing in and out of Russia to pay for goods and services, uh, though that, that system Russia has been cut out of, which is massively disruptive to financial flows. But the biggest one is that the allies in many countries got together and decided to freeze the assets of the Russian central bank that they hold in their central banks. So the Russian central bank has something like 640 billion dollars US dollars of of these reserves that they hold. Now this is like Putin's war chest that he had built up very very prudently over time to protect his country against sanctions, right? Because you can use those those funds for all sorts of things. And what the West did is they froze it and took away his main lifeline and as a result we've seen just economic chaos in russia so there's just been a a sort of cascading effect of collapses the ruble collapsed uh there have been you know production shutdowns more or less trade with russia has ceased and in in the medium term will make it just very difficult for russia to continue the war effort um and we hope will put maximum pressure on the regime uh, either to obviously capitulate or mm. even to, to compromise to, to end the war sooner than otherwise.
1: How does this affect Russian people? Because we're going to be talking about ethics and morality, and I think – almost every single article that I've read, apart from you know in researching this topic we're discussing today, talks about sanctions in relation to their impact on an economy. So I want you to bring it down to the micro level a bit more for us. how How are people in Russia getting on with life at the moment, and what does
0: that look like for them and how is it
1: affecting people?
0: What we've effectively done is we've engineered a massive financial and economic crisis within Russia. We have, Forced the Russian economy into a massive recession. Now, there's reams and reams and reams of research in economics on the effects of recessions, economic crisis on people. Right, that's not new, and it has devastating real effects. If you're a a, a retiree, well, you you know you've worked your whole life to save up for your retirement. Uh, well, the Russian ruble fell by forty percent, so the value of your retirement was cut in half within two weeks. Uh, we see these production shutdowns, which, which, which generate mass unemployment, right? So there's gonna be a huge number of Russian people who are out of work, uh, businesses failing. Uh, so these are pretty radical, real effects on real people's lives and livelihoods. Uh, and I have no doubt that that will have a devastating social impact on the people of Russia.
1: Mm. Now, Carl, I mean, how have, you, how have you sort of read what, what you've seen in the media and the way that it's been talked about? Um, as a person that's interested in you know, corporate ethics and, and business ethics, do you think people have a general misunderstanding of what sanctions actually are and how they impact the lives of people? Do people even think about these sorts of implications? Well, I think the
2: people who issue these sanctions certainly do. I mean, that's their purpose. Mm. Um, And the sanction is meant even Joe Biden, when he banned the import of Russian oil, he was very specifically saying he wanted to cut the main artery to the Russian economy. And obviously, that's going to have an effect on people. And it's a unique position we're in, in terms of, you know, post-globalization war. These kind of things uh, are available as, as weapons in the same way Um, uh, as guns are. So I think the people who make these decisions certainly look at the impact on people. Also, I mean, bearing in mind that there's one argument that's been made by making these sanctions, it it makes what's going on apparent to the Russian people in a way that they may not be getting information from state-controlled media and may even then fuel a popular uprising against, against Putin. So I think people, although it's easy to talk about sanctions and to talk about the economy in a very... You know, to imagine it's a thing that exists beyond the people involved. I think with sanctions, people are looking at the uh, the specific effects on people. Yeah,
1: it seems like a lot of Russian people. Uh, a bit of collateral damage when it comes to this war. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, possibly, you know, a, a big proportion of the Russian population are unsupportive of the war. Um, perhaps if they are supportive of the war, they're a product of Russian propaganda. As as someone interested in in ethics, where do you see this ethical line? Uh, is, is this just the unfortunate nature of this geopolitical situation? Are people going to be victims no matter what? And the Russian population is also a part of a part of this situation?
2: I mean, this speaks to the heart of the difficult subject of the ethics of war. I think what we need to bear in mind first, of course, are the real victims are Ukrainian citizens. The Russian army invaded Mm. Ukraine and there are, you know, both adults and many children um who have not military people, civilians have died, you know hospitals have been affected you know there are reports of you know bodies on the street, so this is the real awful reality of this war mm-hmm. um that civilians are are dying, so that's the 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 main casualty now economic casualties i mean that can lead to death in different ways as well, yes, but this yes. is the aspect of of war that is that is so terrible is that it's a war about human life and if we think about ethics ethics ultimately you know is about about caring about other people being generous to other people being hospitable to other people and in war that goes away and effectively people have to make very difficult political choices based on their ethics about about who suffers and uh and who doesn't and so the decision uh, for economic sanctions and their effect on particular people, a very difficult uh, decision to make, again, where economic means become a form of uh, weaponry, at least when it's, when it's government who is instigating them. So there's no easy moral position uh, to take on this. But it is worth remembering, of course, that the innocent lives in Ukraine are being lost. There's no one being shot on the streets mm. of uh, Moscow.
0: Steve, but, I, but I, let me yeah, yeah let me jump, jump in, in. Just one 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 thing. It, yeah, I mean, I I agree entirely with all of that. I mean, I don't think anyone would I think the Ukrainian people the, the the treatment is horrific and and unacceptable, right? So there's no doubt at all that um, we see footage of it live of uh, war crimes being committed in in Ukraine, right? So, but the the purpose of of the whole uh, war crimes thing is is that certain things are meant to be off limits. Uh, And most of those things relate to civilians, the way civilians are treated, right? Whether, you know, acts of war on civilians are are meant to be, um, you know, disallowed in some form. And I do think that the powers see these sanctions as somehow outside of that system. Um, And, you know, if you engineer a recession in another country, devastating economic effects on people's lives... And that leads someone, for example, to take their own life, which we know we have evidence to show that recessions increase the rate of suicide, right? Uh, That is an act of war on civilians, right? And I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't have done it, and certainly it's better than the alternative, but I think we ought to think about how these, uh, I think these sanctions have been in, you know, chosen to avoid other actions, but they do affect civilians. And I think that that, that, that effect matters. And it's not obvious to me that someone in Washington writing up these sanctions in the Treasury Department has thought about, you know, the effect on suicides in Russia, for example. But mm. we have evidence on that. It's a real thing, you know? mm. Carl, do you see a
1: line drawn when it comes to sanctions? I mean, we've seen aspects, um, areas of the energy industry being exempt from sanctions. What about things like the pharmaceutical industry and medicine getting into Russia? And what does this say about where the line for sanctions might be and the impact that it has on people? At what point are you sort of committing war crimes by, well, you know, in inverted commas, by by not allowing things like you know m- medicine into the country, and what does it say about like w- what the West is actually willing to sacrifice?
2: Um, indeed, I mean, as as Stephen was just saying, this is a whole new ball game in terms of what the effect of this might be on people's lives. Now, McDonald's withdrawing from Russia. Probably not, you know. Might have a positive effect on some people's health. Who knows? So, I mean, that's a different matter. But <laughs> yes. when, and we'll get to that <laughs> yeah, shortly. Um, yeah. But when yeah. it, when it, yeah, when it comes to issues like, um, obviously, money that people will need uh, that they may not have access to, the opportunity of businesses to operate and to and to to, to uh, sustain the people uh, who who work there, uh, pharmaceuticals, food supply. This is really serious. pharmaceuticals obviously could could uh, could have this effect, and so again, you know these things have become weapons. Where will the line be drawn i mean the the thing is if you stop a supply of pharmaceuticals you're kind of you withdrawn from the effect of your actions. If you shoot someone in the face, you see what you've done, and for most people that would be an awful, horrifying thing. Withdrawing pharmaceuticals, you don't directly see the effect of your actions, so people can become ethically numbed um, by doing th- these things at a distance. So we, I don't think we've seen where the line will be drawn, and I'm not sure if it will be drawn until... Uh, until the conflict um is resolved. And and I think this is becoming again, in the context of global of European of Europe's role in globalization, I mean and this is, you know, the the beginning of, of all of this in the fall of the Berlin Wall. We're in a whole new ballpark here where where again, similar to what Stephen's saying, there really are no rules um, that have been established in the aftermath of of the other big wars. So it really is a whole new territory uh, that we're in, um, and ethically very contested.
1: Mm. Steve, any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree entirely, other than to say, you know, to to go a little further and say, I, I, look, the sky is the limit on, on on what we what we seem to be willing to do. I suspect the um, Oil and gas industry might be next. I think we could end up in a place where the Russian economy is completely isolated, really, effectively, from the world economy, like a North Korea-style arrangement. Um, And, you know, that's going to be very bad for the Russian people in the long term. So not only will there be these short-term devastating economic costs, but isolation is very bad for living standards. Uh, And so, you know, what becomes of the Russian economy is pretty horrifying. Um, And uh, look, Putin hasn't bent at this stage, no matter, regardless of all of these costs being imposed on, on Russia, the Russian economy, even with all of the military losses. So it's hard for me to see that any additional economic action is going to make a difference. But, you know, I think we probably have to try to be honest. Um, We're in a world of very difficult decisions.
1: Mm. Now, uh, Carl, you wrote a book called Woke Capitalism that looks into corporate morality and this movement around corporate morality. Mm -hmm. We've seen hundreds of private companies, um, everyone from McDonald's to Netflix, Apple, Disney, Coca-Cola, Amex. Suspend their operations in Russia. Um, I'm just interested to get your thoughts on how this intersects with the corporate morality movement. Obviously, it is a lot different to you know Pepsi putting putting on their commercials and things like that, or Nike supporting Black Black Lives Matter. Um, how does this intersect with woke capitalism?
2: Well, very much so because. Because you'll see a lot of uh, the companies that uh, are withdrawing, certainly the ones that are letting us know about it, they tend in many cases to be consumer brands, um, very well known in, in the public eye. I think um, ex- public expectations of these kind of companies has has changed. And I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say this is, uh, I use the word corporate morality in a somewhat ironic sense, by the way. (laughs) Um, And I think the kind of uh, morality at play here amongst these corporations is that they have realized that uh, they're under pressure from shareholders uh, to withdraw. Uh, They'll be under pressure from their customers to withdraw. And so not withdrawing um, uh, would be, leave them in a worse financial position. Um, than withdrawing, possibly through boycotts or just through, you know, general customer aversion or through lack of ability to raise capital. Um, So I suspect these companies, while the people in them may very much sympathize with Ukraine, Um, And the the disaster there, I think there would also be very much a business decision here that if 1% of your revenues are coming out of Russia, it's better to sacrifice that than to risk a significant uh, greater percentage from the predominant markets that you might be in 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 Europe and the United States and elsewhere. Um, So morally speaking, I think it's changes in customer and shareholder expectations that have driven the change in corporate behavior, not a... uh, a form of moral enlightenment and part of corporations themselves.
1: Mm. Stephen, have you seen, I mean, I'm just interested, you know, have you have you seen the public demanding corporates, businesses to get out of Russia? Because it's not something I've seen, especially to the level of, you know, other social movements
0: that we've just mentioned. I mean, I think most firms that are leaving, many of them are leaving because they could just, it, doing business in Russia is just too hard now. I mean, you, you, financial flows have been made impossible. You don't know if you're going to fall foul of these sanctions, so most businesses just don't. I mean, don't even want to go there, right? And Russia is not a massive market for a lot of these firms, so the the loss of revenue is not really that big of a deal. So it's mostly in their financial interest. So I guess, in some sense, businesses are saying are, are getting out for what is really just practical financial reasons but then get to claim simultaneously that hey we're doing the right thing having said that a lot of economists will tell you that capitalism can itself those incentives that are within capitalism can often drive moral outcomes by virtue of the capitalist system incentivizing good behavior through various channels and so maybe this is a sort of silver lining here you know
1: Mm. okay carl
2: I think that is the case. An interesting example is Shell. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, they decided to continue purchasing Russian oil, saying that it was essential for them to be able to continue uh, energy supply in Europe. This oil was on a ship to be processed um, in the UK at a a refinery just outside of Liverpool. Um, uh, and, um, uh, And at the time, the UK had banned Russian ships. But if you brought oil on a non-Russian ship, you could still get through. And OK, so this this uh, (laughs) ship pulled in and the trade union of the uh, of the dockers who were to do this had Mm. took a stand and said, we are not unloading any Russian oil. And so Mm. the ship went on and it wasn't done. So this wasn't a government move or a corporate move. It was a a move of solidarity with the Ukrainian people Mm. from from the union Mm. movement. Um, and then it got a lot of bad press. shell were were looking uh, looking terrible. and then after after this event, they decided that to uh, to actually stop importing any Russian oil. Suddenly, it seemed their rationale of energy flows no longer was in case, and the CEO made a public statement um that these are political decisions, and companies couldn't make them. That's the way it should be, I think. However, in mm. his case, it was because of the public pressure. And the bad press that was happening that seems to have turned his hand. So it could be a case, as Stephen said, that the pressures Shell was under from the public led them to a particular particular decision. But it certainly, it certainly wasn't based on their own uh, moral reasoning. I think it was based on a very practical sense of uh, of reasoning, and that's the way. And it, but in a sense, that's as it should be when it comes to yes. matters of politics and ethics. Corporations should not be the leaders. Corporations are behind. Holden to a set of private interests, private financial interests that are absolutely uh, not compatible with the public interest, which is traditionally held by the sovereignty of the people represented by government. I mean, we live in a a system that's at the nexus between liberal uh, democracy and, and free market capitalism. And it's important that those things are kept separate to an extent it's the basis of the uh the liberal democratic order that that we work in so as soon as you get corporations muscling in to, to decisions that by right should be made dem- democratically no matter how imperfect the operation of democracy is that's where we get into the real problems so in a sense i don't it's better for companies to butt out of this and uh, and follow the lead of uh, representative governments
1: mm. Is there any ethical consideration for these companies in in terms of, you know, when you take it back to the human level um, in Russia, you know, there's a lot of people that are now out of work because these companies are suspending their operations. Um, and, you know, we're talking right now about an poli- a, a economic catastrophe in Russia. You know, on the one side, you have people saying these, these companies need to, you know, suspend their operations or to, to boycott their dealings with Russia and things like that. And on the other hand, you've got, innocent people in Russia that have no means of making money um, in the middle of a war that they're not supportive of and in the middle of an economic crisis. I mean, where do the, where do the ethics lie here? Carl?
2: Yeah, I mean, that is uh, an extremely important, if not extremely difficult question. And this is the question of war itself. People are Affected by it. I mean, in a sense, you also the question is to also go back to the fact that when uh, Putin's government decided to invade Russia, to what extent might they have anticipated this? You know, Stephen suggested that they wouldn't have anticipated it at this level. You know, does the responsibility lie with them for? you know, um, uh, making the first move by invading a sovereign country, although they don't seem to think that sovereignty in that way. And what would that affect me? So there's a whole lot of players here um, uh, operating in this. But then again, if we didn't make these sanctions, and that made the Russian war effort stronger, and that meant that, more Ukrainians died, or other countries mm. were invaded. That affects life in different ways as well. So the answer there's no there's no self righteous position to be able to be adopted in in this in this thing. It's a it's a, a series of trade offs, um, uh, and the, the trade offs are made with people's lives, which is the the sad reality of uh, of war. So. We find ourselves once again in an awful situation of war where there is no uh, ethically satisfactory resolution mm. when people are being hurt and killed.
1: Mm. One argument that's been made is that potentially these icons of Western culture, McDonald's, American Express, is leaving leaving Russia or suspending their trade in Russia is something that Putin actually wants. I mean, he described the collapse of the Soviet Union as the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the century. Um, so we have this on the one hand and... Then we have the West sort of pushing twa- pushing Russia towards liberal democracy in all sorts of different ways. On the other hand, um, yeah. you know, if if Russia ends up as a Isolated nation and sort of moves away from liberal democracy as a consequence of this war and the sanctions and the pullouts and the boycotts Carl, is is this something we need to be worried about as well
2: yeah i have I have uh, heard these arguments and they 're quite they 're very important arguments you know if you think about the time of the fall of the Berlin Wall and and later the uh, collapse of of the Soviet Union, culturally what was going on was also about political freedom being associated with Western consumerism. Um, and McDonald's, I think, opened in Moscow in 1991, and there were like thousands of people queuing. Mm. So it is possible that these kind of brands, as they're called, leaving is has profound cultural implications um, uh, for the way the West is perceived. Now, whether Putin engineered that, I'm not sure that that could have been the case. He may have potentially anticipated it, but it could also um, uh, work against him to the extent that anyone in Russia who's who's over probably about forty years of age, which would be a substantial part of the the population, would remember what it was like prior to this, and would remember the kind of lack of freedom that that, that happened before. So that could actually work against Putin. So I think you know history will play this out in terms of in terms of what this means. But it will certainly mean a de-Westernization um, uh, of Russia. So there are profound cultural implications as well, which again, depending on how things play out, is going to be very difficult. For the, the longer this goes on, it will be very difficult for these companies uh, to move back in, if they want to anyway, depending on the situation. So yeah, big cultural implications.
1: Mm. I think one of the themes that's run across this conversation is, is the fact that, so much of this is unprecedented we 're in a geopolitical climate that that we haven 't seen before in terms of how these sanctions have an effect in a, in a big globalized economy. the types of sanctions that are occurring and so a lot of the resolution is kind of um, you know a focus on how it affects people let's let's let 's not forget the impact that it 's having on the ground in Ukraine, but in terms of a middle ground or the ethics a lot of it still kind of remains to be seen and we'll see what sorts of shifts take place after this conflict um, is resolved in, in one way or another and for better or worse um, so yeah I, it's it's hard to sort of wrap on a resolution because it's, it's, it's a kind of we will wait and see type situation gentlemen it's been an absolute pleasure so much food for thought um, in such an important time in global history and we will see how it plays out. Stephen, Carl, thanks so much for joining me here on Think Business Futures. Thank you. Cheers to you, both. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Think Business Futures. Thank you to my guests, Carl Rhodes and Stephen Hamilton. You can listen and share this chat wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to get Think Business Futures in your feed each week. And please support the show by leaving a review. I'm your host, Stephen Posthumer, and I'll see you again somewhere in the world of business next week.